0: This is the Everyday AI show, the everyday podcast where we simplify AI and bring its power to your fingertips. Listen daily for practical advice to boost your career, business, and everyday life. Could AI be your doctor one day? I know it's a crazy question, but we have to talk about it. It's something that we're going to talk about today on Everyday AI. This is your daily live stream, podcast, and free newsletter, where we help everyday people like you and me, not just understand AI, but how we can actually use it. So before we get into the role of AI in healthcare, and we have a great one, we actually have the author of the the doctor doctor who wrote the book on ChatGPT and healthcare, literally. So before we get there, though, I want to run down Ah, uh, some of the biggest things that are going on in the news world today. We do this every single day, uh, weekdays, Monday through Friday. So, if you are joining us live, please go ahead and and drop a comment like this LinkedIn user that said, "Wow." Uh, so let's let's get to it. A uh, couple big news pieces today. So first, a new CNBC story uh, says that the AI boom that's happening right now. Is actually the fourth industrial revolution playing out. At least that's uh, that's a quote from an executive from Wedbush uh, Securities. So make sure to read more about that in the newsletter today. Um, a, a couple other cool healthcare-related stories. So one, uh, Gleamer is a healthcare tech company. They just raised $30 million to bring more uh, AI and radiology products and services to the market. Super exciting. Uh Speaking of tools and software, you've probably seen or heard these AI detection tools. So we're going to be sharing in our newsletter today a link to a story that talks about how easy is it to fool these AI detection tools. That's from the New York Times. So make sure to check that out. Uh, and last but not least, and you know, kind of a good transition into uh, our, our show today, big news story. So this is the first AI-generated drug has entered human clinical trials. So I'm not going to give you the name of the drug because it's a bunch of uh, letters and numbers, but it has entered phase two clinical trials uh, targeting uh, chronic lung disease patients. So we're going to have all of that and a lot more in our daily newsletter. So make sure you go to youreverydayai.com, sign up for that free newsletter. We're going to have a lot more, uh, but right now I'm extremely excited. To bring on someone that I've been following um in the kind of AI and chat GPT space. Uh so let's let's bring on our guest for today. So uh we have welcome, we have uh Dr. Harvey Castro, uh the author of Chat GPT and Healthcare. Dr. Harvey Castro, how are we doing? Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. I've been wanting to do this for a while now. Absolutely. So I can't wait to talk about a whole variety of things, but as a reminder, this is for everyone out there, you know, every like everyday AI is for everyday people. So, uh, if you do have a question for Dr. Harvey Caster, please leave, leave it and we'll get to it. Um, if you're listening later on the podcast, uh, you missed out to, uh, to, to, to get all your questions answered. So we do have quite a few people, uh, already with questions, but I have a question for you first, uh, Dr. Dr. Harvey. So I, I, I started the show with maybe a Little bit of a sensationalized statement, but is that too far off? Might we have doctors or a system one day that is just primarily AI? Is that a thing? You know, I I pause for
1: a second and hesitate to answer uh, because my gut says no, but technology is changing so fast. And with robots that I'm seeing and with things that are coming, it's starting to make me think twice that, well, maybe I'm want to have to concede here and say, you know, I do see a robot in our future where it is going to be a resident uh, equivalent where it will be my
0: assistant. Uh, I don't want to replace myself yet. So I'm going to say not yet. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the um, I think you come from obviously a very unique position. So you obviously have a background as a practicing physician, um, as you you know, more of a, an, an executive role in healthcare systems, but also you are literally pushing, uh, the, the education around this technology with AI and healthcare, uh, chat GPT and healthcare. So I guess, how do you like, where do you lean on it though? Yeah.
1: Let me kind of explain my rationale. So, um, OpenAI, and I'm really bad with names, so forgive me, uh, they have a robot that's coming out by the end of the year, and it will have what's called tactile function. So it will be able to sense and give information back. Well, just to extrapolate here a couple of things, if you have the equivalent of, I call it ChatGPT5, where it can see and take video and pictures, where 4 has it, but we just haven't been able to use it due to GPUs out there in the world. But just play with me for a sec. So we have this fake uh, robot, let's put a white coat on them and say it's able to see. And now with the tactile, it can feel the patient's belly. And for example, it Mm. will say, oh wait, this is right upper quadrant. It's probably the gallbladder. It sends that feedback, looks at the differential and says, okay, it's probably this. Um, I'm gonna go a little extra here with the eyes. In the eyes, there's already technology that the video camera can actually give my age, my hemoglobin A1C, which is the last three months of my sugar, it can give my blood pressure And it could give about five or six different parameters just with the camera. So I'm thinking, man, you put that camera on this robot, dude, you got like a lot of information. You have your triage nurse, you have your resident, and it's all being packaged. Due to the hallucination effect, I don't think it'll be chat GPT. It'll be another bio GPT out there that, or I say bio GPT, another GPT that's healthcare related. And that's why I hesitated so much because I'm like in my mind thinking, well, you put all these pieces together, you would have something very close.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. So, we are we're obviously already starting at the end, which I love. But let's 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 hit rewind and and let's uh kind of remind people uh just just of your background cuz it's extensive, right? I think people um might hear uh us talking and say, "Oh, this this GPT or AI thing is brand new. You know, who are these guys to be talking about it?" But you have a a, a huge in-depth background in, in technology and in the healthcare field. So just give everyone a, a brief overview uh, of your background.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed in that I wear two hats. I'm an ER doctor uh, by training, so I, I've done it for over 20 years. I, I know my, my ER stuff, per se. But simultaneously, I'm an entrepreneur. I've had over 30 iPhone apps. I'm into the technology world. I've actually wrote my first app, which was IV meds. And I, I spent a lot of time looking at technology and merging it with healthcare. As an entrepreneur, (laughs) I joke, I feel like I live in the clouds, I live in dreaming, and I always think of things, and I love merging the two languages, let's say the language Mm -hmm. of medicine and the language of uh, artificial intelligence for today's conversation. And so that's kind of my background, and, and, and just really quickly, back in November, I was playing with ChatGPT. And I was blown away and I was like, oh my gosh, I had that iPhone moment. I'm like, this is going to be the next iPhone, but better. I was like, let me write a book real quick and like explain how it works and tell our teachers and doctors and and patients. And I was just so stoked. I was like, okay, I got to tell people. So that's my background.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if you're not uh, watching live, I, I do have uh, Dr. Harvey's uh, book on the screen here. So he literally wrote the book on chat GPT and healthcare, unlocking the potential of patient empowerment. What was that process like? Um, and, and, and what was the reception as well uh, in the medical community? Yeah.
1: Well, it's kind of funny. Obviously, medicine's really conservative, and I'm here pushing the envelope and telling uh, telling patients, hey, uh, use Dr. Google, but let's use ChatGPT and tell your doctor we're going to use it together. And I know doctors were upset with me. Um, it's really tough to write this book. You know, uh, when I wrote the first edition... Uh, and this was in my new January 5th and here we are like six months later, I'm already talking about several books out it, this technology changes so fast, but the skinny is this, i see life as a bill curve. We have people in one extreme that know their stuff really well. And when I wrote it, they're like, ha this isn't, this is just scratching the surface. And in my mind, I'm like, it's actually not meant totally for you. It's more meant for people that don't understand this technology, haven't thought of all the possibilities. So I'm just kind of presenting it to them. Um, at the first two people were like, including my wife and close friends were like, chat GPT, who, what are you talking about? Like, I have no idea. And I was, and I was talking to my doctor friends and I'm like, Hey, the last thing you want is a patient to show up with some papers saying, this is chat GPT. And you don't even know what this is and what the good, the bad, the ugly is. And so when I made that statement, I was like, you know what, maybe I should start teaching people the good, the bad, and the ugly as far as doctors and patients.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And you bring up something that I wanted to talk about. Did you say Dr. Google, right? Is that, is, is that a yeah. saying in the medical community? Right. Oh, so yeah. I, I like, I think when people talk about AI in healthcare, they think, Oh no, absolutely not. You need to trust the doctor's knowledge. Um, but at least when I go to see the doctor so many times they're just Googling something, right? So I say, <laughs> I say like, what's the difference? So do you think that people, uh, like in the medical community, in the healthcare um, profession? Are people for some reason biased against AI or are they scared of it, even though it is kind of just a 10 times more powerful Google? So I'm going to hesitate one more time.
1: I think, again, it's a bell curve. I think we have our newer generation doctors that are like, let's go with technology. I got it. Let's see it. But then we have our conservative older doctors that honestly, some of them can't type. And I'm not disrespecting them in any way. They just didn't grow up with the typewriter and typing. And so typing, they literally have two fingers going or they ask for an assistant to type for them. And so we have two different populations. The key that I'm trying to teach uh, my fellow doctors and patients is there's a balance. I don't think AI is at the point where it could just take over my job because, honestly, it's called the art of medicine because it's a true art. And AI can only look at the facts, but it also hallucinates and makes some mistakes. And in this world of healthcare, it's not like you bought a bad stock because AI told you to. Hey, maybe someone died or maybe some bad effect happened. So healthcare is a little different in that lives are huge and we can't make those decisions without a human as of today. And so that's kind of my soapbox on that one.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you ended it and I'm going to, I'm going to poke and prod a little here. Cause I'm yeah. interesting. Yeah. You ended it with a caveat of, as of today, um, <laughs> right. Is that, is that going to change? Right. Do you see as an example, in the future, you know, kind of how the transportation industry, as an example, is is switching over to everything more autonomous? Uh, will, will it ever get like that in healthcare where the majority of decisions are maybe made by AI, um, and then it's just more of a, a doctor or physician checking everything on the back end? You know, honestly, I, I think
1: we're headed that way. It's, I, again, a I, I, third hesitation here is the art of medicine is a true art. And there's many times in residency that my my fellow resident or my doctor colleagues, mentors would tell me, hey, Harvey, sometimes you have to be a doctor. Sometimes the facts in front of you tell you one thing, but you need to step back and look at all the facts and become a doctor in the sense that you're making that decision. And so using that principle, AI may collect all the data, may look at everything, may point me and may bias me down a wrong road, but my experience, my gestalt, my, my looking at it from 10,000 feet high, putting all the factors together. Cause there's also things like, like small cues. Like if I look at you at the way you talk, your mannerisms, your tone, yes, AI eventually can catch all those things, but you put it all together. That's so many factors that it's hard to train a model. So my point is, I think it's going to take more than just having a doctor, having a robot gather all that information. I think it's going to truly take a doctor to do it. But here's the beauty of all this craziness. I really think there's going to be some AI bias uh, in that I I worry that my younger, I'm going to call myself an old man here, my younger doctor friends, uh, they're not going to have that gestalt because they're so used to using AI and artificial intelligence and other tools that they're going to over-rely on automation, over-rely on technology. And I really worry about those doctors because if they don't do both, they're gonna do many mistakes because they just won't have the experience.
0: Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, do 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 you have a, a comment or two? I wanted to bring up here. So Ryan yeah. Martin says, uh, "Great book, read it twice." Uh, Ryan, thanks for listening. Thanks, uh, you you know, Professor Dr. Muhammad is saying ChatGPT is now binding professionals too. Absolutely. Um, you know, I do want to follow up something that you uh that you said. Um, but also look again, look forward because I'm always I'm always trying to look forward, but. What areas of healthcare you know if we just talk about gpt right because ai has been around in medicine and in, in healthcare for decades right uh, but if we're just talking about gpt chat gpt and what can be built around those uh, around this technology what areas of of medicine or healthcare do you see the gpt technology being most disruptive whether it's for a yeah. a bad a bad thing in in terms of you know jobs and careers and professions or for a good thing in terms of you know creating more possibilities um, and and more capabilities for the healthcare system. Hey, this is Jordan, the host of Everyday AI. I've spent more than a thousand hours inside ChatGPT and I'm sharing all of my secrets in our free Prime Prompt Polish ChatGPT course that's only available to loyal listeners like you. Here's what Lindy, who works as an educational consultant, said about the PPP course.
1: I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting the results from ChatGPT that I needed and wanted. And after taking the PPP course, I now realized that I was not priming correctly. So I will be heading back into ChatGPT right now to practice my priming,
0: prompting, and polishing. Everyone's prompting wrong, and the PPP course fixes that. If you want access, go to podpp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting chat GPT to work for you.
1: I love your question because uh, I could have answered it different had you worded it differently. So uh, let me go with GPT since you stressed on GPT technology. I think one of the biggest problems is actually communication. You can apply that to marriage. You can apply that to life. Just communication. One of the biggest problems with doctors and pain points is not being able to speak their language, meaning as a doctor, you're taking all this medical jumbo stuff, but then to be be a really good person to educate, you need to break it down to a five-year-old. And if you can break it down to that level, then I think you know your stuff really well, but better, you can converse with that person. So bringing it to ChatGPT, why not just let's change discharge instructions? Let's just take that one part. Let's just go into the discharge instructions and say, okay, I have a 50-year-old. It's way different how I talk to a male versus a female versus a five-year-old not them being sexist, it's just that there's certain things in their healthcare that is a factor that you would talk to them differently. Taking it to another level, there's different cultures. I grew up in New York City, so I'm very sensitive to different cultures around the world, and I grew up with them, and I went to my friend's parents' house, and then we would eat and, and do customs, and I remember doing mistakes in their house, and they'd be like, no, no, we don't do that in our culture. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know, and so my point is, why not use the power of a GPT to help me create uh, those examples. So I'm talking to the patient, I'm being respectful of their culture, I'm being mindful of how, but but let me give it to you real quick, another quick example of how that would apply. I usually talk about this example, but the skinny is this, have a five-year-old pediatric asthma, first time, kids scared, I help them out, give the parents discharge instructions, that's how it's done today this one hospital did the following. They took the discharge instructions, put it into GPT and say, hey, I'm talking to a five-year-old, convert Mm -hmm. this into a coloring book. Then they took a Dolly equivalent, they made the pictures, they put it all together and said, here son, here's a discharge instruction, but it's a coloring book now that child can go through with the parents with the doctor the nurse whoever but it can actually look at it and be like oh this is why i need to take my meds oh this is why i need to check my blood blah 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 i mean it really takes it to another level and then you can go over and over and i'm like that is the future of healthcare, and i feel yeah. that that's the way it's going to go at least for that ah. one example
0: Wow. That example really hits home for me because I had my first asthma attack as a (laughs) five-year-old. So, you know, I don't, I don't remember a lot, but I remember being scared and confused and I can only imagine the, how much better I would have felt or how much more comforted if, if my discharge instructions were a coloring book treating, like teaching me about how to treat this. So even with that, a great follow-up and we have some great questions. I'm going to get to them. So, uh, thank you. Thank you guys for your patience. But on that, I think one of the knocks, um is on on GPT or AI is that it's not empathetic yeah and you just and you just gave a great example of how you can use this technology to create empathy and everyone thinks it's just like no it's it's, it's robotic it's not empathetic and then obviously there's the very famous study now um, about uh, chat GPT versus doctors in terms of bedside manner and chat GPT was actually rated higher in terms of empathy so how do you see, the GPT technology improving empathy or is it, or might it not? No, I definitely think it will.
1: Um, let me give you an example. I already think it'd be great use for medical students and doctors in hospitals that, you know, I, at one point I had over 50 doctors that were under me that I had to manage. And I realized I, at one point I'm, I'm not going to be disrespectful, but I felt like I was a high school principal telling doctors, I'm like, are you kidding? Why'd you do this or X or Y? And so my point is this, if I could use the power of a GPT to teach empathy, to create modules, to have them interact and make up fake cases where they would, the GPT or the chat GPT will give them corrections on, yeah, this is how you do things. This is what you do. Because honestly, Again, I know knock on some of my fellow colleagues, they're so smart and they're so into their one part of medicine that they forget the, some, some, some of them have really bad bedside manners. And I think if we uh, AI could put it together with a human and teach, and I, and I see a future where we have a laptop or our iPhone, I know doctors are going to hate me again for saying this, but we sit down with our patients and we have that laptop, we have the patient and we have the topic and we're like, let's do this together. Let's put it into a GPT equivalent. Let's see what it says. Let's see what I think. Give you my medical expertise and let's put it together. I don't think it's one or the other.
0: I think it's both. Yeah. Um, actually, now's a great time for, for for this question from Yaddy. Yaddy, thank you for the question. Um, because this Perfect, perfectly plays into what we were just talking about. So uh, she's asking, how is HIPAA impacted if and when users input their medical data into the shared chat GPT servers? That's a great question because yeah. I think that's that's one of the biggest hesitations, I think, um, with GPT in general, not just in healthcare, is privacy and and security right. concerns. So how do you handle that one?
1: Yeah. So great questions. Probably one of the top 10 questions. Uh, And here in in the United States, it's HIPAA and outside. I'm really bad with Europe's privacy laws, but it's equivalent. They have it. So it's everywhere is what I'm getting at. And so how how to do this is as follows, in my opinion. Number one, I would never put any personal information into ChatGPT. I would keep it very generic. Make sure you're not using your address, things like that. Obviously, ChatGPT has your IP address. So in theory, they already know who you are. But for privacy area, they've added in their settings a way that you're not training the model. So go into your settings, especially if you're paying for ChatGPT4, and go in there and just take off that you're not um, training the model. That would be one way. Second, again, I'm going to reinforce, do not put your information in there um, just put other stuff and how doctors are getting around it is they're putting, uh, the nuts, nuts and bolts of the information of the patient of what you're just coming in with. So diabetic or in your case, pediatric asthma, but they're not saying you're a five-year-old. If they do say you're a five-year-old, they're not saying your name and your social and other identifiers. So that'd be one way.
0: Yeah. Uh, great, great question. Yaddy. Fantastic response, obviously, Dr. Harvey, but, uh, I have a question because, you know, we mentioned the security piece or the security concerns, data, all of that with ChatGPT. Um, how long do you think until a lot of um, big healthcare uh, companies figure it out, or maybe maybe they have? I don't know about just having their own um, large language models so they can tap into the power of GPT, but keep everything private, and then also train it, you know, on their own, you know, region or their own policies. I guess, why haven't we seen that yet? Or is that just the next big innovation in terms of, of healthcare? So you can tap into it, but still keep everything uh, private and secure.
1: Yeah, perfect question. So number one, uh, there are technologies out there that are looking at scrubbing the data so that before it goes to OpenAI, open AI, for example, it would be scrubbed. And so that, that would never happen. Um, two, they are looking at models of what you just said, create your own LLM. Uh, New York, NYU, um, I'm from New York City. Uh, has created, uh, they're looking at a database and creating their own. And that's, I think, the future. I think that's what people are going to do. There's two things. I I know a lot of people don't know this, but with ChatGPT, what makes it powerful is the human reinforced learning. Mm -hmm. My angle is instead of saying it human, let's say it's doctor reinforced learning, but then not just stop there. Let's talk about doctor specific, meaning I'm an ER doctor. I should only Uh, do human reinforced learning or clinician reinforced learning in ER medicine. I have no business in pediatric surgery because I'm not a pediatric surgeon. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I may look at it and say, oh yeah, that looks good. But in reality, it's totally wrong. That's not what's done, and so I think that is the future, and that's what was going to uh, go forward. Not promoting; I don't have any stock, but there is this company called Glass Health AI. That's what they're doing. What I just mentioned, uh, but it's a private company. Another is the Hippocratic AI. They're working on this as well, and so these are just two that I know for sure. Uh, and I know there's more than that because I write about it in one of my books. But but that's the future.
0: Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't wait to see how that unfolds, and even as a patient, right? Like I'm looking at this from, from that perspective. Uh, I'm excited for this technology because it's going to improve care. Um, I think at least so a couple, couple other questions and comments, Sarah, thank you for your comment saying the human touch and interaction is so important and AI can be a great tool to enable, uh, us with communication with patient and families. Uh, thank you for that. hundred uh, percent agree. Um, Ryan, R- Ryan has a question here. So, you know, talking, uh, following up on the mid journey coloring books, um, you you know, never thought of it for pediatric cases saying it's brilliant. I agree. Uh, But a question for you, do you see a drastic change in medical education uh, with AI? Because I know you've talked about this uh, before, how hard it is for physicians and and how much they have to relearn on an ongoing basis. How will uh, ChatGPT or AI uh, in general help uh, with education?
1: Love that question. Um, i've spoken to several companies and i've seen some on the news that basically is sharing that they are changing the way we educate and not only the way we educate but the way we're testing so how will it change um, in medicine, we use, uh, something to call, uh, up to date. And obviously the goal is to stay up to date because technically textbooks take forever to print. So it's online and they can change it. But what's funny is that up to date is technically not up to date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what they're doing is they're using the power of a GPT equivalent. Let's just call it auto GPT, where it's going out to the internet or going on to medical references and it's telling it, go into PubMed or whatnot, and then plug that into, uh, up to date. And that is what the company I've heard is starting to do. And so what's that going to do in the future? Well, I'm already seeing different companies talk about creating a GPT equivalent into education. Um, For example, I'm going blank on the name, but I think it's uh, Wharton uh, School of Business out there. They have a branch where they're teaching using AI, I'm sorry, using just regular education. I remember hearing a talk where the professor said what used to take him Two hours to explain and to create the content is literally taking him minutes, and so he was kind of sad that it took him years to create all this content. He said, if he just sat down with his team, he could probably knock it out in a month. And so that's just the power of education. So, my point is, medical school will change as long as, as well as all the other schools, law school and all the other undergrads.
0: Yeah, um, change I think change is the, the name of the game here. Um, you know, even if you look at when chat GPT first came out in November of this year to where we are now things have changed drastically because of the GPT technology and other companies being able to tap into it and kind of build their own models off of it so um, as a reminder if, if you are tuning in live please leave a question for Dr. Harvey uh, but I, I I do have a question because there's a whole area of your background that we haven't even tapped into and I would be remiss if I didn't ask some of these questions so uh, we even opened up uh, the show with one of the news pieces talking about just how much money is going into AI, you know, startups or, you know, established health tech companies. Um, You you know, you have a background as an investor and an entrepreneur. Um, How do you see just outside money combining with AI in the medical field? Is it a, could it be too much all at once? Um, Or do you think it's a good thing to see that innovation happening with this new AI and GPT technology?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, And let me explain why. You know, uh, and I'm going to go in my soapbox here for a sec, so excuse me for doing it. Uh, Elon Musk invested into open AI because he wanted to keep it open. He wanted to keep this information away from uh, someone called Microsoft <laughs> or just a big corporation. And so the goal is, if you think about it, if you have open AI or you have some kind of GPT equivalent, non-touch with pri- uh, with private money or public money now, you um, then in the goal is you can do whatever you want because you're focused on the goal. Once you have an external factor, and I love Microsoft. For them to come in and put money, now they have to answer to shareholders. And I know OpenAI is not owned by Microsoft, but 49% of it is. And so it changes it. So how does that affect my statement in medicine? Well, it makes it a catch-22 because now there's going to be that pressure, external pressure, saying, hey, we need to produce money. Now we got to do X, Y, and Z. Whereas if you're just doing it of the kindness of your heart, you're like, hey, let's create a better healthcare. There is not that external factor. You can do more. So... That's one issue. With that said, it's a necessary evil. We need the money to create. Now, here's the opposite side of that. If you fund it so well that the uh, company doesn't do the judiciary duty by uh, using that money well, and they waste so much money that when it goes out to the consumer now, it costs so much money for the hospital and everybody else, you kind of defeated the purpose. Now, it's actually increasing
0: healthcare costs to use this tool. Yeah, um, speaking of costs, I think one thing that can be offset obviously is using AI and, GPT in the, in the medical uh, field. So, uh, Monica's question here, uh, a great one. Uh, so how will AI impact the medical industry in areas such as procedures and surgeries, lab work and robotics? Oh my gosh, this is awesome. So, you know, one of the
1: favorite sayings in med school was see one, do one, teach one. And so uh, applying that to a procedure, I've already seen this amazing surgical AI. And again, don't ask me for names because I'm horrible at names. But the skinny is um, I either put on some VR glasses or a monitor. But the skinny is I'm in the surgical field doing the procedure. But the AI is identifying the human body part. It's telling me cut here this angle, giving me little dots I'm able to cut, and it's walking me through. Other things with AI, it's just that virtual AI. Um, You know, uh, another soapbox, basketball, they say, if you can just sit in bed and just pretend you're throwing the ball, you'll actually do better at free throws than just Throwing it. I mean, that's just another way of practicing. Taking it to the medical field, if you can see and visualize your patient, say you have a digital twin and you're able to do the procedure and you're adding AI, now you're able to navigate and see what you're able to do. And then you're actually cutting and you're practicing the procedure. As a resident, I hate it when they were like, okay, Harvard, you see how we did that? Here you go. And I'm like, crap, I'm having to do this procedure. (laughs) Um, How nice would it be to have uh, AI walk me through? Uh, I'm not plugging in this company I'm consulting for, but it's called, I'm not going to give you the name, but it's basically AI and ultrasound. And it's navigating you how to do ultrasound. It's basically letting the common person at home be able to ultrasound themselves. And I thought, man, this is the way to do procedures and to do things. And so how will that apply I talked about procedure surgery, lab work, and uh, lab work, I see it being more automated where we can talk to our data. You know, one of the most frustrating things, including for me, is when I get my physical exam and I get my stuff in labs, I got to go back and compare. And I know there's graphs, but how nice would it be able to upload it to a GPT equivalent and say, okay, what's my trending glucose? What's my trending whatever? Mm -hmm. And it would give me the numbers without me having to physically look for it.
0: Yeah. That's how it's going to change. That's so that makes perfect sense from the physician side but i'm also wondering from the patient side so um an example i'm thinking of you you know how you said like oh how you can ultrasound yourself that's amazing but i think one thing at least here in the u.s that patients are maybe frustrated with in healthcare. Is this the time it takes to get in to see a specialist? So I- accessibility, um, you know, it can be weeks or months depending on where you live, uh, just just to see, you know, a specialist. Do you see um, AI and technology maybe changing this? Like as an example, could GPT come into the the everyday healthcare system and, you know, automate so much of the the manual processes, paperwork, all of that to open up capacity? Or how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I love that question. I saw this amazing model, and I've seen two actually, but the
1: skinny is this just as you and I are having our conversation. If, we were, if I was being your doctor, I'd have to look down and figure out my keyboarding and type. And then I hate when you meet with the doctor and they're just like turned away and they're looking at their computer. or their, They call it cow, computer on wheels. And so instead, what I see happening in the future is, and I already see the product, they have AI listening to the conversation, transcribing the conversation, and I'll take it to the next level. This camera that I have here being able to take my physical exam. So literally, I don't have to document anything. If anything, I just look at it and make sure that everything's correct. And so that's going to free up my time. It's going to make it more efficient. Now, talking about from a patient's point of view, how to see a, uh, a doctor. I, I talked about this at AI Med. I see a feature where um, I wake up in the middle of the night. Um, I'm having symptoms and I'm, I'm having a conversation with the GPT equivalent backed by a doctor and just kind of going through it. And then all of a sudden telemedicine pops up and says, OK, I'm your doctor. I'm here at the ER that's close to your house. What's going on? And then I'm like, you know what? I need to have. T- I need you to see me, so come. But then play with me here for a sec. I have my ambulance, my virtual ambulance come get you. So it's like a Tesla equivalent. It self-drives, it comes. As you're in the ambulance, uh, that camera I talked about earlier in the show, it's giving my vitals, it's giving me information. And me in real time, I'm seeing it on the other end. I'm like, oh wait, this person needs an aspirin now. So then it's mm-hmm. printing an aspirin. And then you take the aspirin, and then by the time you come in, I already know you. I've already seen you. I've been seeing the feed. I have all this data. I already have, like I mentioned, that hemoglobin A one C. I already have your sugar. I already know Mm -hmm. a lot of things that are going on. So I, I think this is the future. And I don't, and I I hate saying future because I see a lot of these products today, and I think
0: that's going to come sooner than we think. Um. So speaking of the future, and if you do have uh, a a question for Doctor Harvey, ask it now because otherwise I'm going to end on this one. So speaking of the future. Um, sometimes I put people in the hot seat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it again here. So <laughs> the same way, the same way, uh, let's take an easy example. Um, media, the way that we consume media has changed yeah. so much. It used to be just, you know, uh, you'd go rent a movie from Blockbuster and read a newspaper, right? Now it's streaming directly to the phone and you know, push notifications for for what you want, what you need. Um if you were to take take a look, you know, at where you know, healthcare was maybe five years ago versus where it's going to be in five years. What do you see? What is the equivalent of the, you know, the streaming media, the you know, personalized push notifications that we get information? What do you see happening in that regards for healthcare in the medical industry? You know, I,
1: I unfortunately, I, I see those advances outside the U.S. before we see them here. But I think those outside countries will produce things because of legislation and because of the need risk versus benefit. Let me explain real quick. In Africa, we have areas in Africa that don't have Internet, don't have um, access to healthcare. So it'll be a combination of using like satellite Internet with a GPT equivalent and a physician assistant, but that will go out to the masses and be able to take care of patients and then take it to the next level. There'll be places where the government will subsidize a GPT equivalent on your phone and it'll be your healthcare and they'll allow it because they'll say, you know what, risk versus benefits, either this or nothing. And we need our population to be able to catch things. And so the future will have these things now. Will that happen here in the States? There's legislation. There's a lot of issues. I know p- doctors are, are about to, I'm sure I'm gonna, my phone's about to uh, go crazy for saying that. But I think it's going to take a while here in the U.S. <clears throat> I think we'll get something like that, but it'll be a lesser degree. But I think the pressures from other countries and depending who's the president will change legislation and,
0: and to answer it, we'll, we'll see those changes here. It's, it's going to be exciting, but uh, regardless, you have, I think- a great like if you're listening to this watching this you have a great resource because um you know not not to plug uh Dr. Harvey too much but you know he has literally written the book on chat gpt and healthcare he's putting out great information so whether you are concerned what this is going to look like from a patient point of view, or if you are a physician listening in, uh, make sure to to check out uh, Dr. Harvey Castro. In our newsletter, we're going to be linking to all of his different resources. We didn't even get into it. You have a full <laughs> podcast that is produced by GPT and yeah. AI Voices. It's amazing. But uh, I don't want to take up your entire day because we could talk about this for forever. So uh, Dr. Harvey Castro, thank you so much for joining the Everyday AI Show. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. And just as a quick reminder, go to everydayai.com If you want more information, if you weren't able to keep up with everything we talked about, don't worry. We got you. We're going to have all that in our free daily newsletter. Also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, uh, you know, Spotify, whatever people listen to podcasts on. So uh, we hope that we'll join uh, You'll join us tomorrow uh, on Everyday AI. Thank you.